the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from national. And welcome to back the to the Cover Three Podcast and here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you podcast. live at YouTube.com/slash Cover Three and all across the 24/7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash the like. Come and join us in the chat. Subscribers, VIPs only. Already chatting it up here on a Wednesday. A little bit to get to. We are going to get our report from Bud Elliott, who is on hand for the Elite 11. The latest talk around some of these quarterbacks, what he saw, what everybody's saying, and a lot of people, a lot of gossip uh, out there, what we can be able to report back uh, that might tell us a little bit about what's going on in college football, not just from the recruiting trail. Uh, plenty more to get into as well, but want to begin with one of the one of the conference realignment threads that we have continued to follow because we have gotten a little bit of movement since the last time that we gathered together, which is that San Diego State initially um, sent a letter to the Mountain West. And and to dumb it down, and if I, I make some mistakes, um, gentlemen, please help me out. They initially were asking for an extension on a end-of-June deadline to say when we might tell you that we're going to leave the conference. This, of course, is very reminiscent of UCLA and USC. Uh, they had to get out of the Pac-12 or notify the Pac-12 that they were leaving before the end of June in order to avoid a um, penalty financially that was going to balloon once you get into July. So San Diego State, they're sitting there and they're saying, like, all right, we're probably going to leave. We don't know where we're going. The Pac-12 doesn't have his act together yet. We're going to give the Pac-12 a little bit more time. We need an extension to the end of July. The Mountain West sends a letter back and says, nah, no, 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 no. We're not going to make it easier for you to leave and create a situation where you don't have to pay us more money. If you want to leave, you got to get it done before the end of the month or you've got to pay the money. So here's what we've got. We've got a Pac-12 that still doesn't have a media rights deal. We've got San Diego State, which is considered a potential target for both the Pac-12 and the Big 12 that does clearly have the intention of leaving the Mountain West at some point with some financial penalty. I mean, Tom, what's the, how about this? Where do you think San Diego state ends up? And then we can kind of unpack it from here. <laughs> um, either the PAC 12 or the big 12. That is my, my, my solid prediction for where San Diego state holds up. And this is like, I think your read of it's pretty, pretty accurate. It's kind of like, we're all married here. Imagine starting to date 
another woman and then going to your wife and saying, hey, I've been dating this other woman. I don't know if I want to leave you for her yet. Can you just give me another month to figure it out? Figure it out. Yeah. And then and then we'll get divorced. And, you know, I only have to give you like this much money in the settlement instead of, you know, the half. We'll we'll settle on 25 percent. That's basically my read of what San Diego State has done here with the Mountain West, which is like, a you know, I guess it's shoot your shot. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to say no. And then you're going to leave anyway. But I yeah, I, I think San Diego State probably has not maybe not solid, definite written in concrete offers. But I'm guessing the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have both made it known to San Diego State that there is a spot for them. And San Diego State was really hoping that the Pac-12 television deal would come out before this deadline. So that way it would know where it was going to end up. And it hasn't. So now it's just like crap so we're gonna have to pay a whole lot more money to leave than we were originally hoping to but i do think san diego state is going to be leaving the mountain west when this is all said and done i, I agree with tom like i, I tweeted uh san diego state i, I want to see other p i actually uh, i want to see about seeing other people right yeah, like they, yeah. They, yeah and yeah. The, the mountain west is like all right uh you've had a couple too many couch for you tonight we'll we'll revisit this in the morning uh i mean <laughs> I don't have much. I think Tom nailed it. Like, I don't have much to add to this. I, I don't think they're going to stay in the Mountain West, but there's no downside to this for them, really, except for maybe a, a bigger exit fee if they're held to it. It's not like the Mountain West is going to say, yeah, y'all can't come back. Like, mm-hmm. wh- What's the Mountain West move? They're not going to leave the Southern California market. Sure. Yeah, it's like, that's the thing. Like, San Diego State has benefited from a lot of things that were totally out of its control, like UCLA and USC leaving the PAC 12 makes San Diego state, a Southern California market that could help a power five conference, but also the chargers leaving San Diego to go to Los Angeles, makes San Diego state really the only show in town for football because you know, there's, there's no professional team anymore. So it kind of boosts the program's profile there. They've got the new stadium. So like, things that they really had no say in have benefited them, and they are going to be an attractive option to either the Big 12 or the Pac-12, depending on what happens elsewhere. So, I mean, they're not going to be the first choice. Like, the Big 12 wouldn't take San Diego State, I don't think, over, you know, one of the four schools that we've talked about them being interested in for months now. But they know they've got a spot if when, if and when this all happens, and it's going to happen whenever, oh, assuming the Pac-12 television deal does ever happen. I don't know. Does that, that's the other thing that I want to see is if you're San Diego State, are you just waiting to see what kind of deal the Pac-12 is able to put together before you jump on board so that you can compare offers between the Big 12 and the Pac-12? I mean, is it that simple that you're sitting there and you're just like, oh, no, no, you tell me what I can get. No, you tell me and then we'll make our decision because I and, you know, with all due respect to the many Aztecs, the, the loyal Aztecs that listen to this podcast, I don't know if their leverage is that strong. I mean, San Diego State is the Southern California market, but, and I mean, I guess as I'm talking this out loud, they do have a very successful basketball program, as we just saw. That would be something that'd be very attractive to the Big 12. You know, that's, I guess that's my question. Do you see San Diego State in the the marketplace, you know, having the ability to sit back and allow multiple suitors to come and woo them for their conference future? I do think <clears throat> to a certain extent, but that again, this is also a situation where I we don't know what the Pac-12's television deal is going to look like. I can't assume it's going to be great or else they'd have had it by now. But if you are San Diego State, I think, and this is no intel here, this is just pure speculation on my part. 
If you're San Diego State, would you be willing to sacrifice a couple million a year in television money just to stay or to join the Pac-12 simply for travel reasons? Because if you join the Big 12, you're going to be traveling to Cincinnati. You're going to be traveling to West Virginia. And that's a long trip for San Diego State. And it's something USC and UCLA are about to learn a lot about, but they're getting a lot more money to do it. So I think ideally, if you're San Diego State, you'd rather be in the Pac-12 for a little less. But if that Pac-12 TV deal is terrific or horrific, which honestly, again, why hasn't it been finished yet? If it's going to be good, I don't know. It's so it's yeah, I, I think you have some leverage in that you're wanted. It's just I don't think you're going to be getting a great deal out of it. You're just going to be getting a better one than you currently have. I think the, the other big part of that equation is for how long, like if you're San Diego State's leadership, do you really think we're going to continue to fly all these non-revenue sports around the country? Like, like uh, as the sport trends more towards being a business, I don't think we're going to continue to to treat these sports, which by all like, for all aspects, they're club sports. They're just heavily subsidized, right? I I think like those sports will play local teams eventually. Like I don't think we're going to have you know San Diego State men's and women's tennis flying to play TCU if they were to join or UCS big, big 12. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like I just, in what world is that good business? All those sports lose money hand over fist. They're entirely subsidized by men's football or by football and men's basketball. Right. So if you're San Diego state, yeah, maybe that plays into your decision because you want to stay on the West coast. But if you, if your leadership thinks, all right, all these other sports are going to be club sports in the next decade anyway, which is what I think. Then maybe you go to the Big 12, take the bigger check, and ride out the uh, inconvenience of the travel for the, the next half decade or so. I think either way, San Diego State is positioning itself that if there's a line in the sand that's being drawn among some of these uh, group of five conferences, do you want to play ball or not? San Diego State is signaling it does. San Diego State mm-hmm. is signaling, you know, we would like our football program to compete at the highest levels, and if that separation is going to continue to to grow uh, between the haves and the have-nots, then you know they're willing to take what is. I mean, San Diego State lines up for fall camp, and they're a top three team in the Mountain West. That will change with a move to the Pac-12 or the Big 12, but you'll at least be included in the Power Conference level, competing in college football uh, at the highest levels. Yeah, like San Diego State is sliding into people's DMs at one in the morning, and maybe it's not an overtly you up kind of direct message, but it's also like you're wondering, why is this person direct messaging me at one in the morning? You know, so it's it's that's kind of where they are right now. And um, and I guess I should also clarify that, you know, there is maybe comparing offers, but there's also waiting for the Pac-12 deal just to make sure that you're not joining a conference that's falling apart. Yes. <laughs> you know, that, that you're not, you know, causing this big... Um, you know, issue that is going to have legal challenges and all these other things, uh, hoops that you have to jump through. Uh, if all of a sudden, you know, you you say, "Yep, we're going to the Pac-12," and the Pac-12 is like, "We got San Diego State," and the Pac-12 announces its new television deal, and then Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah mm-hmm. are gone. And it's like, what? What did we pay the lawyers yeah. for? <laughs> you leave the pack. You leave the Mountain West for the Pac-12, and then the Pac-12 becomes the Mountain West, basically. <laughs> exactly. So I think that that'd be something they're waiting for. Is, again, just sort of my read on the situation is: yes, they would like to be able to compare numbers of what it would be, but at the same time, you also want to make sure with all of the messaging that has come from Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, we're waiting on a deal. Then you want to wait for their reaction 
to whatever that new deal might be. Coming up on the other side, we take our attention to the Elite 11, where Bud Elliott was on the scene. Lots to break down, including the players that are there uh, and some news and some talk elsewhere. We'll get into that and more next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As always, it does not need to be a true mailbag episode for us to interact with the great listeners that are watching live or somebody that might submit a question. So we're going to go ahead and get this started with something from Brendan right now in the chat. Brendan says, can Bud give some perspective on the Elite 11 from a recruiting evaluation standpoint? What drills slash aspects help with evaluating and comparing quarterbacks? What parts don't help with the eval process? And I guess like, for those who maybe are new to this or, or haven't always dug in, like what what are some of the drills? Like what kind of stuff do you see these guys go through when they've worked their way through the regional camps? I mean, this this truly is the end of a long process for a lot of the top quarterbacks in the cycle. Yeah. So Elite Eleven finals, they, they invite twenty guys. All the guys went to an Elite Eleven regional camp across the country. Twenty four seven Sports covers pretty sure all all of the regional camps out there. So we, we've been able to see these guys multiple times. A um, couple couple things that I get value out of with the Elite 11 is seeing the guys in person throw one after another does help you to sort of like stack and rank order them, okay, in terms of you know, how do the releases look? How, how does the velocity on the ball look? How does their motion look? I, if they have a good day, a bad day, it doesn't really bother me or, or sell me on the kid so much. But if there's a consistent reason for a bad day, uh, and then you need to start looking at, is this fixable? Is this something that the, the coaches there, and I talked to a lot, a lot of the private quarterback coaches there and the guys that run the event, like they may think it's something that's fixable or or not fixable. Uh, you know, like look at Tim Tebow's motion. That was not, not a fixable thing. It doesn't mean you can't be a good college player, but obviously it does impact your ability, ability to be successful in the NFL. Footwork is something a lot of these guys are, are still learning. So, you know, if I'm watching like, okay, like, these guys, this guy's feet are just not totally tied to his arm uh, at this point in his development. You know that shows up, right? The ability to drive the ball to all levels of the field. So you're going to look at some of the more the more challenging throws. Um, how do you throw on the run? Elite Eleven used to be, and I don't think that organizer Brian Stump would, would mind me saying this. Uh, it used to be actually really pretty bad at predicting uh, who would be a good a good you know, quarterback and, and who would get picked in the draft. Recently, it's been really good. Uh, actually, because I think they have taken and modified a lot of the drills to test the the aspects of players' games that more frequently show up in the college game and, and increasingly 
in the pro game. Some off-platform stuff, stuff that challenges your mobility. Uh, some stuff that I don't care about quite as much. They do a lot of stuff behind the scenes where you know, you'll hear about like you know, leadership and the, the they do oftentimes they'll do like a workout like like a beach run with with, with the uh, the Marines and and some pretty neat stuff that we don't necessarily get to see. I don't typically care if like oh this guy was a real leader in, in that you know beach run with with the Marines. I do think there's some signal if behind the scenes you hear like hey this kid's a real uh, <clears throat> pain to deal with or he's right? dogging it in the stuff that no one's watching. I know you yeah. told me that's something you look at in camps is, yeah. are you just trying when you know that the coaches or, you know, whoever's grading you are watching. Right. I mean, yeah, I think it was shared it for like, I, I thought Jaleel, Jaleel Billingsley, the, the tight end that Bama signed a couple of years ago, transferred to Texas and, and bounced out of there. He's now in like one of these spring leagues, right? Like just when I saw him in camps, I thought he dogged the hell out of it. So, yeah, I think like if you're out there, if you take the time to fly out there, at least try. And this year, I thought everybody tried actually, so there was none of none of that. But I mean, like behind the scenes stuff matters to me somewhat in terms of talking to these coaches. A lot of the stuff's off the record, obviously. But like, what do you really think here? Okay, these guys do it for a living. I, I appreciate their input. Do you think you <laughs> mentioned like the, the camps are getting better at you know kind of pre having predictive value as to who's going to be who in like as far as draft picks and all that kind of stuff goes. <clears throat> Do you think that based on the years you've been going, is it just the drills or do you think that the quarterbacks themselves are getting better maybe because of private coaching growing up that really just wasn't available, you know, as much as 10 years ago, at least not to the level it is now with a lot of these kids? I think uh, it's some of both. And that's a great point by Tom there. I, I do think that the private quarterback coaching means these guys are more developed than they used to be, but they were doing like a lot of like West coast, footwork drop back stuff mm -hmm. in sort of like the mid like the early to mid 2010s when, when I first started going to this that college teams just weren't doing right like they're 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 working on a lot of these west coast concepts under center dropping back and you know ma making the right progression read where he freezes like scheming a guy wide open and off platform Chad Kelly's running around and hitting him to beat Alabama right so <laughs> what they were doing at elite 11 more than a decade ago to me was not matching up what I was seeing in the college game now I think they've done a much better job of incorporating how the game has evolved. And, and thus, I, I think that that part, I get more out of it now because it more closely mirrors what we're going to watch on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, but yeah, it's it's still a valuable event for me to go out to, I, I think. And you also, Chip and Tom will tell you guys this, when you're at events, you see people and talk to people that you otherwise wouldn't see, right? And it's just, yeah, like you hear and stuff useful. Things to you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That you would never text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's, a, there's a lot of stuff you cannot put in a text message that could be screenshotted that will be a conversation had in person. Exactly right. And even if it never makes the air, uh, it still informs the coverage and discussion, right? Uh, you also get to see the college counselor. So last year, Caleb Williams was a college counselor. This year, he was just sort of out there. Uh, he just got back from, I think, European vacation or something. Uh, he did hit the goalpost again from the 50, which is just so uh, sick. Wow, college yeah. kid who can afford a year vacation. That must be Man. nice. How'd that um, happen? So we have uh, uh, the college counselors there, uh, uh, Talia Tagovailoa, right, at Maryland, uh, uh, Jaden Daniels from LSU, Michael Penix uh, from Washington, and was there a fourth? I thought there was. A, maybe there wasn't a fourth this year, uh, but they were. that was interesting. It 
from a, a physical, just stacking these guys. And I kind of remember this back when he was a, a recruit. Dude, like Talia looks so much smaller than Penix and 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 and, J- and, and Jaden Daniels, like mm-hmm. noticeably smaller. Uh, you'll see in our summer school episode why that might concern me. That's coming out pretty soon. But uh, it was interesting to watch those guys. And then Caleb's just a different level from from all. I mean, I, that's no doubt. But yeah, like the difference is is noticeable. Did you see anything from uh, either Daniels or Penn? I mean, did they keep it mostly just tight around nothing? No, like big takeaways from seeing them uh, in in their work as counselors. Uh, well, I, I did. Uh, I, I did let Daniels know that you know since I went to Florida State, my wife went to LSU, and, and he's like, "Well, we get, we got to get your son, you know, rooting for your wife." I, you know, I was talking about how <laughs> how he likes Jordan Travis, and, and Daniels didn't want to have any of that. And he's like, "No, no, no, huh? no we, we got to get him, got to get him going for the Tigers." So. Uh, they, like they all threw the ball well, but not like no doubt first rounder looking well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you watch Caleb, like that's that's different. And so, no one's looking at. I mean, no one's looking at right. Daniels as a no doubt first rounder. Penix, productive, but yeah. not not the no doubt first I'll, round kind of great. I'll give you something on Penix w- without the shoulder pads. Uh, I, I saw him a good bit in high school. He, he played for Tampa Bay Tech, and. uh I wonder, like with the leg injury, if he just had a ton of time to work out upper body because I had, like I hadn't seen him out of shoulder pads in a while. That guy's jacked upper body. Like legs are not big, but I, you know, if you're doing all the knee rehab, maybe you got time to do a lot of bench and, and, and a lot of trap work. Like he's he's yoked. I'm just disappointed you didn't sneak up behind Jaden Daniels and whisper Nuss coming in his ear. Yeah, I was gonna say like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just around with Jaden Daniels, telling him that you're you're actually favoring the guy he's competing with. He has put on good weight, by the way. He's like, not like, I, I will, I will say, like Jaden yeah. Daniels has been hitting the weight room too, and it is noticeably bigger than he was. Like, I'm trying to think, the last time I saw him without pads on. Buddy, Baton Rouge has so many different ways for you to put oh. on weight. <laughs> uh, boudin balls. Like, have you guys had boudin balls? <laughs> yes, dude. Listen, yeah, they lots, fry lots the boudin. You can do it in the weight room. You can do it around town. It's you can, you can get bigger. Uh, I would weigh 400 if I li- if I lived in, in Louisiana. <laughs> Easy. All right. Well, let's let's talk about the guys that you know were the the stars of the class. We've uh, we do have a little bit of news here on this Wednesday morning as twenty four seven Sports uh, excellent guru, master of all things on the recruiting trail. Steve Wiltfong uh, reports that Dylan Rayola will be transferring. He will be finishing out his high school career in Buford, Georgia. This is his fourth or third third high school stop. Third, for- I believe. Yeah. Rayola. Um, we discussed Dylan Rayola a lot during his recruitment and, of course, his commitment to the Georgia Bulldogs. But it, is there any pause or in any story beneath the story? What's the context for Dylan Rayola other than he just wants to play his high school ball closer to where he's going to college? Is, is there anything more there that we should take away? Yeah, I, I think there were some wonders like, would he. Because the transfer rules in Arizona seem to be kind of um, like draconian, like yeah, transferring to Buford I think ensures that he'll be able to play the entirety of his senior season. I don't have all the details on like what would have happened in in Arizona, but like some states really punish you for transferring, and some don't. Like Florida used to, and now they're just like throw their hands up. You you can be on like three different teams during spring ball, and then like transfer mid season in the fall, and they, they really don't care. From a recruiting standpoint, Buford has not traditionally sent kids to Georgia. It's like maybe the one one or two powerhouses in Georgia that is not like a Georgia feeder school when Georgia's doing well, which if you guys have seen, uh, they're doing all right now. 
Uh, but they have a kid there, KJ Bolden, who uh, I think is widely expected that Georgia is probably the most likely destination five star type safety. He's a roster. sleeper cell. Is this what we're getting at? Like they're so, sending him in there to help recruit. So maybe if Riola goes there, you know, and uh, and, and can, can help Georgia get uh, get get Bolden, but also like. I mean, Buford wins a ton of state state championships and, and deep runs, and uh, I, I think he'll do. I think he'll do really well there. I, I wouldn't read into that as a negative. Like, like you're not going red flag because he's made right. so many stops. Because that's it yeah. is it is a familiar comment that we have made on some players in the recruiting process. You don't sense that. No, I no, want to go. I, Kirby's I taking recruiting to another level. He's that planting he's, commits in other high schools with other players he wants. He's like, I can't contact this kid I for the next him. few weeks, but you know what? My quarterback can. <laughs> he also, like... Dylan, here's what we're going to do, all right? We're going we're <laughs> to send you to Buford, all right? We ain't had much success down there, but... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Seriously. Buddy. No, no, I, I would just say, like, all right, physically, he's what you want him to be, and there were some people that thought he was heavy a couple of months ago and, and he showed up looking like in, in great shape and looking, I mean, more physically put together than any of the college counselors there. So wow. like checks that box from like, a, yeah, like if you put him like next, next to Daniels and Penix and you blurt out the face, cause like the baby, there's a little more baby face, obviously with, with a 17 year old kid than there is like a 23 year old. Uh, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference in body types. Like, like he's, he's more put together than, than they are. Uh, you know the baseball term "easy gas." Mm-hmm. Like some of these kids throw hard, but it takes all they've got. Like they got to throw with their entire body. Like they're putting everything they got into it. He, he's got that easy gas. Just flicks it, um, and it threw the deep ball. I thought with really good touch as well, and kind of carries himself more like a college kid than the rest of the other dudes there. Like you know, take like the moment wasn't too big. Taking time to joke around with people. Not that he's not unserious, but just enjoying it, understanding like he knows he's good and, and went out and, and, and showed it again. Uh, and had, he didn't actually win the MVP, uh, w- w- which we'll get to, but I, I thought he checked a lot of the boxes that, that you want to have a guy check. And um, this class is clearly not as good as last year's class. Like if you were to stack it and put them together, I think like four of the top five guys recruit wise would come from last year's class, but it, he he's a good player. And I think there's some chance that you know, it, let's say Georgia has a weird year where maybe the defense isn't amazing. Like that, if he hits his ceiling, he, he could carry those guys. Wait, so hold on, make my make make my brain fire again. So Nico was last year's class. N- Nico uh, Arch, uh, Arch da- yeah. Dante Moore, Jackson mm-hmm. Arnold, Malachi, uh, Aiden Childs, the, the Oregon State kiddo. I think is really really good. Um, so and so you would say like almost like one through five stacked against each other, you would take that class over. And you were saying Dylan Rayola is still your number one. Like no, yeah, nothing you've seen has changed that. So what about that next group? Like um Julian Sayan, who is uh who's committed to Alabama, and you mentioned he was the MVP, not Dylan Rayola. Aaron Nolan for Ohio State, uh Luke Cromanoke, Florida State, CJ Carr, of course. Um and DJ Lagway. So you're saying at almost every level, you would probably take last year's class? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Um, What'd you make of that? The <clears throat> sort of the, those next guys and, and what you saw from them? All right. So uh, Saiyan is a kid that uh, I was very impressed with at Elite 11. I had seen him at Battle Miami and Andrew Ivins for us was down there and a bunch of our guys were down there. I, I just wasn't blown away at Battle Miami. Like I didn't think he made a lot of like high level throws that day. The, the, the release is pretty quick. Uh, but Greg Biggins, who has done this for 
you know, 25 years and is like the best West Coast, you know, SoCal sc- uh, scout in the business. Uh, and he he really is a believer in Julian Say. And, and he went out in Elite 11 and he proved it. I thought he had uh, better velocity at the finals than I remember him having at Battle Miami. Uh, and the quick release was still there. Knew where to go with the football. Uh, feet were tied to the arm well. And it was just a, a clean, proficient delivery. If you're an Alabama fan, you should be really excited about getting Julian Sand. I, I and they needed this. Like personally, I was not a fan of Alabama's two quarterback class last year. I, I really like Holstein. I didn't see it. Uh, other people did, and uh, certainly I could be wrong. Uh, and Dylan Lonergan, I think there's maybe some chance. But to me, Julian Sand is absolutely a step up from the two kids that Bama took last year. And so I, I would expect him to probably be able to play early. He's not the biggest guy. Like he's not freaky oh. tools wise, mm-hmm. but the re- neither was Bryce. And I think the release is so darn quick and the, the velocity is enough. Uh, and he's decently mobile. Like he's not going to kill you with his legs, but I think he can move around in the pocket well. That Alabama fans should be pretty excited uh, about what they got there. And he did win the MVP, just the most consistent player day to day. Who else stood out from that group? All right. So if you're an Ohio State fan, a Florida State fan, a Michigan, or excuse me, a, a Notre Dame fan or a Florida fan. Michigan I think you fans be, just got so triggered when you said Michigan when you oh, about the you card, were thinking yeah. CJ Carr and you said right. Michigan. Um, oh my gosh, I, that was not on purpose. I, I, uh, I know that traveling. Oh, did you guys see the sunburn I got? I, I, I thought yeah, that I was from getting the head butted. No, uh, that was that was funny, but no, um, it, it's. I didn't put the the sunscreen all the way up. You know, maybe I'm losing it somewhat up here. I, I I'm overestimating how much hair I got. Underestimating the forehead. That because you're out in Cali, man. You're wearing like a quarter zip. I know. It's I a, know what that's like. Yes. God, like I'm wearing a quarter zip. I don't feel like I'm getting burnt. In Florida, you know if you're getting burnt. I I I talked to Ivan's at Patagna, and they they both got crushed as well. So uh, next year I'm I don't know. But all right, so those four teams, I think you should be really excited that you have a player that has significant upside. Uh, Aaron Nolan, really quick release, mobile kid, very accurate at the high school level, 4,000-yard passer. I don't think he really did anything at the Elite 11 to to make you downgrade him and maybe maybe a little bit of an upgrade. So I, I liked what I saw out of him. Struggled a little bit in seven-on-seven, seven, but they're high school kids. Like There's going to be ups and downs. They're not robots, right? Uh, Luke Cromenhoek is a guy that Florida State's been – extremely lucky to get in on early. I think like they did a good job of scouting, but also when they offered him, the kid had never started a high school game at quarterback. He was a safety and receiver. Uh, and it turns out now, we've known about this kid for a little, cause he threw uh, side by side with a kid named Chris Parson at uh, uh, their elite camp last year before he was ever a starter. And it was night and day, the talent level and Parson decommitted last year and went to Mississippi state, which was probably a good move. Cause Scrum Hope would beat him out. I think if if they both stayed and went to Tallahassee, Uh, I've seen them all. Luke is definitely the best quarterback prospect they've signed since Jameis. So Mm. uh, FSU fans should be really excited about that one. I like CJ Carr, man. I, I I know he had ups and downs, but I thought the ups were really good. And you know, like it'll come down to coaching. Can you limit the downs and, and maximize the ups? But I think if you're a Notre Dame fan, that's one of the higher level quarterbacks you've signed in a good while. And I think he has a chance to be really good there. You know, like the, the arm is good. He's a good athlete. He looks like a guy that has a high level ceiling. And so I think if you're Marcus Freeman, like that's the guy that could really do it for you. And DJ Lagway might be the biggest physical freak of them all. And we talked about like what's fixable, what's not, 
right? I think Lagway, there were some accuracy issues at times. Chrome and Hook had some too. Like most of these guys are like high ceiling dudes who got to work on consistency with more reps. I think it's more like learning how to tie the feet to the hands. I don't like the release can look a little funky at times. Like he's a bigger guy. Maybe he throws slightly like from a lower slot, sometimes a little more sidearm slot uh, than the height would imply. But I think for the most part, it's fixable and that there are, are just tying the, you know, the footwork to the arm is something that can really make him uh, an elite level player at the college level. I think there's a tremendous amount of upside there. So if you're a Gators fan, that's a huge get for you. He's also a really active recruiter and, and other recruits uh, like him a whole lot. So I think if you're a Florida fan, you, you need to be excited. And I, I also look for him to kind of throw from a more consistent slot, right? Like he's so talented and he's a baseball guy. Like sometimes he's here, sometimes he's like way out here. And I think it's just like because he has the ability to do so, but refining the stroke and playing with a more consistent arm slot, which is something he can do. Like it's not a jacked up motion to me uh, is something that I, I look forward to and, and big time, uh, big time skills there for sure. So while, I mean, just to you know, take this off on a, a little side street right here, while you were out at Elite 11 over the weekend, it was a big official visit weekend for the Gators and for Billy Napier. And they had a nice little flurry of commitments. Um, some quality guys, you know, some three, some three stars that they like a lot, a couple four stars as well. It's got them up to number five in the 24-7 sports uh, team rankings for the 2024 cycle. And when you open up, I mean, DJ Lagway is right there at the top. So, and Tom and I discussed something similar on Monday on CBS Sports HQ. DJ Lagway's, you mentioned tying the arms to the feet. What about tying DJ Lagway to Florida? Is Is there any shakiness there like as as and this is maybe where we're digging into the gossip what is your sense of dj lagway um where he's at with florida is there anything that you could imagine that would happen on the field or on the recruiting trail that would change uh billy napier from holding on to a prized quarterback one year after everything fell apart with Jaden rashada so uh shoot i i, I gotta get the guy's name rex right, I, I was talking to his quarterback coach for for a while uh J.P. Tillman, who, who's out of Houston. And uh, he was asking me, and he's mic'd up, so may, maybe this ends up on, on, on a YouTube channel somewhere. Like, wh where do you think all the rumors of him going away from, like, like flipping from Florida come from? I was like, I, I don't know. Like, it seemed to crop up when Vegas came out with Florida's win total of five and a half, which if you look on, like, I live in Florida, obviously, like, you see all the rivalry Twitter stuff going on. Like, yeah, they won't keep this class together if they, you know, they go five and seven or six and six. And it, that may be, but like I asked him, he's like, is there any school that's like seriously in this? He's like, no, man. Like, like he's he's really sold on Napier. So, uh, I mean, ultimately, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's probably going to sign with Florida unless they. I don't know. Is it crazy to think that that this class falls apart if they go five and seven? I, I, don't, no. I don't know. Like, oh, I think Florida is better than, than five and seven this year. Personally, I'm like, a, I'm not thinking they're just going to totally bottom out, but. If you're Napier, I, I know you see the negative stuff out there, right? With, oh, they're going to go five and seven. You can't plan for that. You got to plan for like, look, we're going to find a way to win all these close games, go eight and four, and then sell that as major improvement and hold on to all these these guys. Right. Like that, that That's, you, you got to be betting on, on kind of the moonshot results, obviously, because their 24 schedule is nuts. And if you get lag way in, you can kind of sell that to your boosters as, look, I just signed this, this, you know, this stud. He's like, he's going to have maybe a, learning year in 2024 given that schedule and we'll roll with things from there so you know like so many things could happen but i i 
I don't it feels think like the recruiting class is more relevant than the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, you know, when we're talking about evaluating yeah. Billy Napier and sort of how much pressure he's facing. Totally agree, especially because you basically fired Dan Mullen because they were not recruiting at a level that would allow them to compete with Georgia or Alabama. Mm-hmm. It turns yeah, out a top five class, things change. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that's part of it. It's like if Florida goes seven and five, but they've got a top five recruiting class, I don't think anybody's going to care about the seven and five. Right. 100%. Um, but yeah, very, very difficult schedule. Uh, it begins with a trip to Salt Lake City to go and play uh, Utah. Um, I got a question for you, bud. Yeah. We talked you about it earlier when you, you had a little slip up there with CJ Carr. Michigan fans probably aren't as you know triggered by that as they might have been at the time because of Jaden Davis, who is a five-star committed to them. Was he at the camp this year? Was he at Elite 11 or is he... He was, yeah, and he, he made our uh, he made our final eleven. Um, I, I thought he was I thought he was solid, right? Like he he was solid. He's a guy that we've known about for a long time. I mean, he's you know three year starter in high school will, will be a four year starter. Has been really productive in high school. You know, sixty four percent, sixty eight touchdowns, fifteen interceptions o- over his career. You know, some mobility in his game. I just think you got to be careful. Like certain guys grow first, right? Mm-hmm. And develop earlier, and ultimately, it's not where you are at fifteen or sixteen. It's it's you know wh- where are you as a senior? Like the last time we get to see you, and, and how do you project? And I, I think he's a good prospect. But I mentioned earlier in the show, like the ability to see all these guys and stack them against each other does reveal some differences in physical makeup and physical tools. And I, I don't think that his physical tools are the same uh, in terms of ceiling as the what do we name six guys that we already discussed on the show? He is very consistent and good at what he does, like a good short to intermediate passer. Uh, the stroke is a little bit long right now. Like it's not quite Byron Leftwich, but the ball's getting a little, little low in the back. And, and I, I think he told Andrew Ivins and I on 24 7 Sports Recruiting Podcast discussed this that uh, they're kind of like working and transitioning the motion. Uh, so we'll see what the, the final product ends up there. And again, there's some science to this, but it's not an exact science, right? <laughs> like, like it, it's making more educated guesses, getting eyeballs on guys multiple times, having a lot of people evaluate them. I think Michigan fans should still be excited about Jaden Davis. I just, when I watched them all side by side, I didn't see quite the physical upside uh, that I saw from the guys that we discussed earlier in the show. Coming up on the other side, you know, there's a lot to learn about the 2024 cycle. Some of the big quarterbacks, we've got a few more names uh, that Bud wants to turn your attention to. And also, a lot of those conversations we just mentioned might have sent Bud back to us a little idea of what's happening at uh, some of the top quarterback battles in the country. Uh, We'll get into that and more next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. 
And they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You cannot put something this juicy in the show planning doc and not have me get to it before we get too late in the show. What do we think, bud, about the Alabama quarterback situation where we have added former Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner to a competition that went all the way through spring practice where we did not see Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson separate from each other. What do the little bird, what are the birds buzzing about when it comes to uh, Alabama's quarterback position going into 2023? So, you know, on the sideline there, and can't name names because obviously it's, you know, kind of off the record stuff, but we're discussing the Alabama quarterback situation, what you make of it. Obviously, they get Tommy Reese from Notre Dame at offensive coordinator, and Tommy Reese spent his last six weeks with the Irish. Uh, bring in Sam Hartman to replace Tyler Buckner, who he then goes and grabs Tyler Buckner uh, to Tuscaloosa after going through spring with Jalen Milrow and Simpson. And uh, I thought there would be more debate about this, but generally they're not buying. They And one guy actually pointed to Jaden Daniels was like, that team's winning the West. So they're not buying the Tyler Buckner as the savior. And uh, one guy did try to argue that Milrow would uh, would would be able to get it done, but then the other guy countered like, "What's get it done? Like, can they win ten with him? Yeah, but like, can they? Is he a good enough passer to get him over the hump and get back to where they want to get?" And then they, they basically both agreed no. So I thought there'd be like a little more uh, disagreement on that, but there there's a lot of skepticism about Bama's quarterback room, man. You, I have not heard a lot of Buckner is going to be the answer. <clears throat> have you, Tom? No, but do you do you think there's anything to what you heard at the camp about Alabama in 2023 and what Saban's been saying lately about how he doesn't want to play LSU and that, you know what, records probably shouldn't matter. The power ratings are what should get you into the college football playoff. Somebody you told me that we have to three of the teams in the college football playoff. I mean, what are we doing? What are we I'll doing? I'll take uh, things you say when you no longer have Bryce Young as your quarterback for a 1,000, Alex. <laughs> for years, Nick was always hyping up the nine-game schedule and talking about getting the best. It's just it's like, well, you know. I don't know that the record should matter as much anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it's the what is the sense of what the ceiling can be, let's say for Ty Simpson, because that's who we haven't seen. We've seen Jalen Milrow come in for an injured Bryce Young, be able to get them to a victory against Arkansas. We've seen him be able to gut out a win against Texas AM. We have not seen any competitive snaps from Ty Simpson. Like what does the what the same um, people that you're on the sideline with saw the work and the body of work and the tools that allowed him to be a blue chip prospect coming out of high school. What, what are we just thinking? That's going to be one of those unrealized blue chips, right? He here? didn't, he didn't come up that much, which, which was kind of curious. Like it, it, the, the conversation was pretty much just Buckner. Buckner Milrow, Milrow? Yeah. Oh. It kind of surprised me. So maybe Simpson has some upside that we're not discussing or like, maybe do we think he's going to be ready? I mean, how bad did it have to be in spring to to take Buckner? We only or, saw, this or do we think Buckner's way better than we realize? Like, is, is there some chance I, Buckner's way better than everybody realizes? I, I don't think some chance Buckner's like all world. I 
do think he's probably better than he looked in that offense last year before he got hurt because just of a lack of options available to him. But I don't think he's some guy that is going to be a difference maker. I think he's probably a Jag plus. Mm. I, I think that's fair. Um, Comment from Jason, to be fair, a lot of people, parentheses, even on this show, were doubting Jaden Daniels last year. That is true. That is true. Although I would argue that he, well, you know what? The, the, the rushing yards count, right? They, they do. Can Passing, Buckner, yeah. Brian says, can Buckner be a Mac Jones? Mac Jones was good. All Mac right? Jones went in the first round, right? I know. Like, Mac Jones does not have a rocket arm, but Mac Jones's accuracy and anticipation was, like, very very good. So maybe he can be, but that, that just felt disrespectful, that question. It's well, it's not. Like, can you be a Jacob Coker? That's probably the more accurate. And not and obviously. Can you be a Stetson Bennett? I don't know, man. Stetson's a baller. He is, but I'm just saying, I think that would be a better comp. Can Buckner be a Stetson Bennett? Because Bennett was, what, a fifth-round pick? Well, Stetson Bennett broke the mold because, you know, years ago, Barton and I started the conversation of the, the fighter pilot and the bus driver with the idea that the college football playoff, adding another game, required you to have a true elite player. And we went on this run where in, you know, all of the, let's see, fifth is after 15. So it's 16 is Deshaun Watson, 17 is Jalen Hurts and Tua, 18 is Trevor Lawrence, 19 is Joe Burrow. Like these were elite of the elite like okay if you don't have that you can't win a national championship in georgia and stetson bennett kind of broken that mold a little bit that's like the interesting thing is now alabama needs a georgia type situation where they're so good at everything else that they do that the bar for the quarterback position has dropped a little bit so oh, now it's we, you need a fighter pilot or an nfl defense yeah probably <laughs> can we circle back to speaking of defense and nfl and alabama I wasn't on the show that day because I, I was traveling, and and you know, Team BJ selected Jaheim Otis with pick eight in the offensive defensive line draft. And I got to give a shout out here to my man Cole Kublik, who's seeing the same thing I'm seeing because who did he select as his best defensive lineman in the SEC? I, I didn't see. What, was it Jaheim, Jaheim Otis? Otis. Jaheim Otis, Otis number one. They, yeah. they, they said they said he cut ninety pounds off the kid. He was over, well over four hundred when he came in. I was like, eh, dude. What? What does Cole know about line play in the SEC? All right. Well, so, okay. So speaking of Georgia and the quarterback position, did you get any sense of um, where where the uh, the experts are, are thinking that will end up being decided by the end of fall they, camp? They think Carson Beck's like a guy that's going to get drafted. So, wow. All right. Yeah. Let's go. And, wow. and that Georgia might challenge the 15 draft picks that they had two years ago. So three Pete. Like, I mean, screw it. Is it fair no to say Georgia won? Season. Yeah, like Georgia won a national title in its rebuilding year. Last year <laughs> was the rebuilding year? Yeah, basically. And they won by 56 in the title yeah, game. Yeah, it didn't yeah. just win, but smashed everybody. This is, I think this is why Nick Saban is so pissed, right? Like, like when Nick Saban used to whine and complain about stuff, it was usually like a warning, like, all right, you want to play all this up tempo offense? All right, we'll, we'll play that way. Now it seems like lamenting the fact that they wasted Bryce Young's two years as a starter. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah, people think Georgia's like loaded, loaded, uh, which recruiting rankings would agree. And uh, it, if they challenge or break that record, fifteen draft picks in one draft again, that's that's nuts. 
The team that beat Oregon 49 to three, the team that squeezed the life out of Tennessee's offense and cruised to a 27 to 13 win, the team that hung a 50 burger on LSU in the SEC championship, escaped, escaped a very tough game against Ohio State. And then, as Tom mentioned earlier, won the national championship game 65 to seven, that that was a reloading year, a rebuilding year. I, I got to tell you, as a Chicago sports fans, our rebuilds look a lot different than that one. <laughs> <laughs> you want some more spicy stuff? Yes. yes. Yeah, 100%. There are more. Like, I thought I was kind of crazy on this island. And maybe this is confirmation bias. But, like, there are more people than I realize that, that think Aiden Childs is going to beat out DJ. But you've also got um, Goldbrunson, right? I If he wins the job. Like what? So what are we doing here? Then it's a poor reflection on DJ. He he started nine games last year, though. He's not like walking yeah, but, into this as a yeah, total scrub. Was, that's nine. It started nine games. He was probably worth team. what, like negative negative one and a half wins for them, or, or like but below replacement. Like the guy was. You got a big offensive line and a good running game, man. Just hand it off to Damian Martinez and get out of the way. That's okay. They, that was they good did run inside teams. zone like 21 times consecutively against Oregon. Which yeah, but what, they won 11 games last year, right? I don't think they're winning 11 games again if they do the same thing they did last year. I think last year they were good, and they also caught a few breaks that you can't rely on multiple seasons in a row. I do think they need to upgrade at the QB position. I, if Gulbertson wins that job, I feel like something went very wrong. You, or you think a nine just, to five touchdown interception ratio is not something you want to bank on. No, I mean, I, if I'm Wisconsin, no, um, <laughs> uh, no, no, I do not. It's Aiden Childs, so Iowa to win the West. So am I. I had to. Dude, we, yeah. I released my Big Ten. Well, actually, no, I picked Wisconsin to win it. But did that you? Was, okay. They, we're getting off topic here, but. My Big Ten win total post came out today, and I had to go through the entire schedule. And while I've been kind of doubting Wisconsin all year long on this offseason, just skeptical about what's going to happen, I came out of it the haze with Wisconsin at 10-2, and two, Iowa at like 9-3. and three. <laughs> and, and Bud, like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this annual exercise over at CBSports.com, but this isn't just like make a pick and explain it, but this is... Pick every game. Put your name to definite results yes. for the entire conference. Oh, and the whole conference. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's like my um like my ACC story is gonna go up on Thursday. And there are a couple spots in there where it's like, oh man, like Louisville, Miami. I don't know. Louisville, Miami. Like we would when we're talking about win totals here on the show, we'll call it a coin flip. And you'd be like, Oh, you wouldn't half your coin flips. When you're doing this exercise, you gotta make some tough decisions. You gotta pick one. <laughs> and Tom's tough decisions. Left Wisconsin at ten and two, winning the West. <laughs> they got a favorable. They got a more favorable schedule than I realized. But yeah, I think last year I went six five and three, so I finished plus one point oh five units in my picks last year. So you know, there you go. I need to go back and uh, look and see how I did. Uh, you'll be shocked. Um, I've already run the chipolytics for that ACC story running tomorrow. Uh, that I've got Boston College, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and Virginia at the bottom of the conference. Oh no! Cut their pay. Cues? What? Are you buying Q's? Seven and five overall, four and four in ACC play. Didn't they just land a big recruit? Yeah, they're actually doing okay on the recruiting yeah. trail. I'm, I'm with you like that uh, I think the internal promotion to replace Anai is still going to keep the offense like funky in a good way. So I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of in on that. But anyway, that's all for any anything else from Elite Eleven. I know we've. Uh, 
I know we've gone off the uh, the road just a little bit. Anything else you want to turn your attention to, call your shot in terms of the 2024 quarterbacks? Yeah. Uh, okay, so two. A kid named Will Hammond, right, uh, going to Texas Tech. Just consistent, decent arm, really polished. I think he'll throw for like a million yards in, in, in that offense they run. I think they should be pretty excited about that. Uh, also, a kid named Ethan Grunkemeyer. Going to Penn State, I had not seen him in person before, and I I liked what I saw. I thought he thought he really had some some good juice, and a, a developmental kid for Penn State, and they've consistently done a nice job getting on these guys uh, early. And I, I I think Penn State fans should be pretty happy. And the kid I'm really intrigued by plays by me here in in uh, at West Orange High School here here in Orlando, well Winter Garden, but you know whatever. He's 16 years old and has like the top ball speed out of anybody there and like throws it just as hard as, as the college counselors. It's like all arm. And he's pretty mm-hmm. raw. He had a separated shoulder last year, but, but played through it. And uh, I mean, yeah, like I, I was, I was pretty impressed. Like, like it's like he's, he's raw. Uh, Trevor Jackson. Okay. Sorry. I, I probably should say his name. Um, he just got the uh, the, the All American Bowl invite, so I was happy to see that for him. And uh, I know Miami offered him recently. A couple other guys. Uh, oh, we got a Trevor Jackson question. Cool, look at that. Is it- um, yeah, Pitmed sixteen loyal uh, loyal live viewer here. A bud is Trevor Jackson, who's at Elite Eleven, pretty much down to Pitt, Texas A and M, Miami, or you do think he ends up elsewhere? I I don't know if he's down to them. Honestly, like I think those are probably. Like Pitt has been consistently on him, and that that tracks because they they do a great job uh, scouting the state of Florida. Like Pitt, Pitt just does a nice job in in the state of Florida. Obviously, Charlie Partridge, our defensive line coach, is a dude that has done this for a long time and, and done a really good job in Florida. Kalaja can't see nice example from it last year. A and M just took another quarterback, so I don't know exactly what their status is there. And Miami did offer Trevor, I think, when he was on the flight out to Elite Eleven. So. Uh, we'll see. I, and if you're him, you're like one of the last uncommitted kids out there. I, I imagine more offers will uh, continue to roll in. So we'll just have to see see how it unfolds. If you're a Pitt fan, you're hoping this ends like yesterday. Yeah, like right? it's it, it's mm-hmm. locked down and he's in the early signing period. I, I guess that's another. Like, do you think that this class of quarterbacks is going to be all early for the most part? Like, will any hold out for the final period? Yeah. I think with quarterback, especially if your school lets you do it, there probably is an advantage to going and graduating and going to get into spring ball. Like some positions, I, I don't know if it's a huge, huge advantage, you know. Uh, but quarterback, I think because of how much, how much mental is involved in playing quarterback, it, it probably is is a big enough advantage you should try to do it. So I, I haven't heard of anybody not doing it, but some schools just don't let you do it. Like Aquinas uh, down in South Florida, they. You, you got to you got to graduate, you know, all, all eight semesters. So, um, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I'll, I'll ask around. Well, be that's just a, a curiosity of mine. Is you know there is movement at the administrative level of really taking a second look at the early signing period when it is whether it you know still has a lot of value. And I think that every new class gives us another set of data to sort of figure out what's best for some of these players coming out. So, should be very interesting to check out. So it's been a minute, right? We haven't gotten a chance to really open up that big old bag of mail and it's getting stuffed. Of course, you can always add a question to the mailbag by leaving us a five-star review. And in that review, you can put your question. You can also reach out to us on Twitter or email or as so many many of you love to do and we love to hear from you, you come and you join us live at youtube.com slash cover three. 
So, be another mailbag episode Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Come and hang out. Join early. Come as, as soon as the link goes live. Come in one hour, two hour early. Drop your question, and we'll be able to see it even before we get to showtime. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Shout out Stephen F. Austin Bowling Team. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.